hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Wall Street Bets, Stonks, Reddit, Robinhood, GameStop, Bitcoin, Dogecoin. There is so much fervor around investing today, but WTF does any of this mean? And WTF is everybody doing. (laughs) There's no part of the economy set up for success quite like the stock market. And investing in the stock market is one of three killer pillars to financial independence. Right. So today we're sharing with you three things you should know about stocks to grow your wealth, financial security, and your retirement savings. So you're listening to Queer Money episode 290. That's right. We're getting close to episode 300. And this continues our ongoing series around investing so that more LGBT folks can reach financial freedom. Remember, we make the Queer Money podcast for you. So please post any money questions that you have in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we'll answer them in an upcoming episode. Now on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. So stock market investing scares a lot of people because it's kind of mathy. Ah. <laughs> and it's kind I'm of bro ah. yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't have to be. And that good news is, especially on the bro side anyway, it's, it's really changing. It's becoming more inclusive and more and more LGBTQ people, women, people of color, all sorts of diverse people with diverse backgrounds are getting into investing. And, and that's exciting. Right. And I think that that's because a lot of people are hearing more about it. Many people, it used to be that the only time you would hear about the stock market was when they would report the returns on the nightly news. But now we're seeing so much more about the stock market, not only in the news, but also in places like social media. Yeah. And I think the good news is, especially with what's going on in the fintech space, the gig economy, all sorts of technology, I think it's just never been easier to get involved in investing than it is today. And that's exciting because with some platforms, you can invest with as little as $5 a purchase. And there's some, I think there's some digital apps that allow you to invest even coins, right? Right. Exactly. So it's, it's never gotten easier to get into investing. And that, that's exciting because I know it only seems like $5 doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it's a start. And then you can scale up from there until you can go to a bigger account with that has more access to more features and tools. And so right. it's very exciting. Right. And so we're going to talk a little bit about stocks today, but we know that stocks can be very confusing. So we're going to try to provide you with some basic textbook definitions on some of the terms that we're going to be using, but we're also going to try to elaborate in some human terms. (laughs) But to be honest, we're also probably going to use some terms that you may not understand, and that's okay. But if you're not familiar with some of the terms that we use and we don't define them, please please, please feel free to ask questions about that in the Queer Money Facebook group. That's where we're helping people get educated about financial freedom. So if there's a question you have, feel free to post it there. All right. So let's create a baseline. What is a stock? A stock represents fractional ownership in a company and proportional rights to dividends, 
voting rights and earnings growth. <laughs> so that's a sleeper. But David, what does that even mean? Right. Can you put that into human words? Right. So I'm going to use a word that I love, and that is Chipotle. We're from Denver. And tacos, we were tacos, tacos. <laughs> back burritos, burritos, burritos. Back when Chipotle was a very, its very first company, there were the two owners of Chipotle. They started their first store and they owned the whole company. But as that one location started to do really well, they realized that they needed more money to help their company grow. And how would they do that? Well, they would do that by inviting individuals to invest in their company. So instead of there being two owners, what they did is they took their company and they broke it into millions of pieces. They kept some of those pieces, but then the other millions of pieces, they sold those pieces to other people to be able to have an investment in that company. That one of those pieces is basically a stock. That's great. Good job, David. Yeah, I love it. So what a good thing to remember though is when a company goes public or they decide to go from beyond those two original people or one original person and start sharing millions and millions of shares is that there's a hierarchy of investors and basic stock owners, which basic stocks is what we're predominantly talking about today, are sort of at the bottom of that hierarchy. They're basic. <laughs> and it's okay. And that's okay. It's 100% okay to be basic a basic stock owner. There's there's benefits to being basic, Karen. Yeah. So David, what types of stocks are there? Right. Write that down. <laughs> sure. So the very first type of stock that we're going to talk about is a common stock. And that's what most people hear about when they hear about stocks as common stocks. Well, what are some of the features of a common stock? Well, typically, common stock has voting rights, which means that when the company needs information from its owners, they will put out almost like a poll but what they do is go out to the owners and they ask them to give them information about what decisions they should be making. Well, as an owner of common stock, you have a right to vote along with you are one of the first to get things like dividends and other benefits when the company grows. But as John said, there is a hierarchy. These are actually at the bottom of that hierarchy. There's also preferred stock. Now, it might sound confusing, but preferred stock has a feature that common stock doesn't have, and that is that they don't have the right to vote when it comes to making decisions about the company. Where they do have their seniority is when money gets paid out. So for example, if the company starts to pay dividends, dividends would go to preferred shareholders or preferred stockholders first, as well as if something happens to the company and they decide to break it up and sell it off, when it's being sold off, individuals who hold preferred stock would be paid first before common stock shareholders. This typically happens when a company goes bankrupt and they're selling off the assets of the company. Preferred stockholders are going to be ahead of common stockholders. Exactly. And so as with anything, there's risks and rewards. And that's especially true when you're investing your hard-earned dollars, right? The goal is to get your hard-earned dollars to work harder for you than you worked for it. But there are some risks to be aware of. And of course, there are some rewards. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be talking about this. <laughs> so uh, what are the risks of owning common stock? Well, the thing is, is, you could basically lose the value that you've invested in this company if the company performs poorly, right? We've all seen companies that don't do well, and then suddenly uh, the people who own those sh shares in those companies have no money left over. And there are a couple of, of risks that play into that. You've got your unsystemic risks, or basically otherwise known as the company fundamentals. Right. How is the company isolated in and of itself 
performing by itself, right? So how is it being managed? How are the consumers responding to their products or services? That's basically the fundamentals of the company. But then there are systemic risks, right? Things that are sort of outside of that particular company's control, such as the performance of the overall stock market, right? A rising tide can lift all boats. Well, it can also bring all boats down, and that can have a negative effect on a common stock. The general performance of the economy can bring the the stock market or a particular stock down. And of course, we all know that politics can affect this, right? So if Congress makes a decision that has an adverse consequence on a company, that consequence can affect the stock of that particular corporation. And then international events, as well as media hype, right? We've all seen recently, (laughs) specifically with Robinhood and GameStop, right? There was a lot of hype around that that brought the value of GameStop down and not necessarily based on anything fundamental about the company, but more around media hype than anything else. The other thing is, is there's investor risk. And investor risk is the risk that you're taking on yourself. And one of the most common forms of investor risk is what's called concentration, which means you may only own one or a very few companies. Now, this can be a good thing if those companies perform really well, but also can be a really bad thing. I talked about Chipotle earlier. Here's an example where it hurt us. I bought Chipotle long ago. And then when Chipotle had their issues with health concerns in some of their stores, there was the E. coli breakout and there were other bacteria breakouts that happened because of food that was being delivered to their stores. All of a sudden, Chipotle stock tanked. It dropped a lot. And during that time period, the value of my Chipotle stock dropped by more than 50%. So, It is important to remember that when you're buying stock, there are a lot of risks associated with the potential to lose money. Let's find out a really bad example of this. Yeah. So for example, if you bought $10,000 worth of JCPenney common stock in December of 2009 and had all the dividends reinvested back into the stock every time they were issued and you did nothing else except for pay your taxes on those dividends, you'd have exactly zero dollars today. <laughs> so the reason we, why we bring this up is that if all you have available to invest is $10,000, it doesn't make sense to put all $10,000 into one stock. That's a concentrated position. You want to have some diversification. And that's one of the risks that come with stock is that you can only you only have so much money. Um, if you if you want to have some diversification, you've got to buy a number of individual stocks. And we'll elaborate in a future episode on how you can make that easier. But a lot of times people will get excited about what they hear in the news or a friend talks about this hot stock pick and they want to put all their money in that one particular stock. I can't tell you how many times David and I got phone calls from people who just had a couple thousand dollars to invest and they wanted to put it all in one stock. Well, as David explained with that Chipotle example, putting all of your money in one particular stock can be great when it's performing well, but if there is anything negative that happens, that can really, really, really bring you down. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. So now let's talk about the flip side. Let's talk about the rewards. Good stuff. Right? The good stuff. This is what everybody gets excited about. This is what everybody brags about. This is what all the bros are talking about on <laughs> social media, right? You don't have to be a bro to get excited about this. 
and reap some of the rewards. Now, what, what are the rewards? Well, the reality is, is that when you invest, one of the biggest rewards is that your money grows because that company performs well, right? As that company performs well, the value of the company goes up. So your little sliver or your big sliver, if you bought a lot of shares, can increase in value. So as John mentioned earlier, there's unsystemic rewards. Now, those are the fundamentals, right? These are the companies that really are doing well. They have a hot product or good product line or great services. They provide those people really want and need those services. And because of that, they're bringing a lot of money in. And that means that company is worth more and more money over time. We know all sorts of companies like this, especially some of the biggest companies in the world today are perfect examples of this. Apple, Facebook, which is a whole ball of wax in and of itself, right? But there's lots, Amazon, lots of companies that we all, and many of you may work for companies that are exactly like this. The fundamentals of that company may have done well. Now, then there's the systemic rewards as well, right? For example, if the overall stock market is doing well, your company can be carried along with it. The value of your company can be carried along with that, especially if it's a larger company. Or if the economy in general is doing well, people have a lot of money to spend, then your company can, the company you own can do well. We know politics can have a big impact as well. As we, as we saw with the infrastructure bill that recently went through Congress, there are some companies that are going to greatly benefit from that law passing. And so uh, because of those systemic that systemic influence, they're going to see some great performance on those particular stocks. Again, international events can play into the systemic rewards as well as media hype, right? Media hype can bring a stock down, but it can also bring a stock up, such as we're seeing right now with AMC and what was Dogecoin. Couple of ways that Tesla, Tesla, yeah, a couple of couple examples of exactly how uh, media can bring it down or bring it up, and right, I guess that happens with politics and politicians and stocks as well. Right. <laughs> so, so we have an example for you here of the systemic reward or the um, the reward side of things. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about investing ten thousand dollars in a company that you lost it all. Let's look at the other side of the coin, right? If you bought ten thousand dollars worth of Apple common stock in December of two thousand nine. And just like with the JCPenney, you invested all of those dividends, reinvested all of those dividends. We'll talk about dividends again in another episode. But if you did nothing else except for pay your taxes on those dividends, you today would have a whopping $315,709, right? So your $10,000 investment grew massively during that time period. Now, if somebody has to ask in the Criminy Facebook group what <laughs> Apple is, then you might get booted out. <laughs> no. <laughs> so how has stock investing helped us? Well, we've shared the story ad nauseum, right? Once upon a time, David and I were in $51,000 in credit card debt. We had a negative net worth, right? And so we created our strategy to get ourselves out of credit card debt in under three years, yada, 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 blah, 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 right? <laughs> well, the same tactics and strategies we used to pay off our credit card debt so fast by and large, we continued those same tactics and strategies, but rather than funneling our money towards debt, we funneled our money into our investments, primarily our 401ks. And that has take that took us from that negative net worth to over a million dollars today. Yeah. Now a lot of folks, when they invest, they invest in a lot of lot of different things, but they may not be investing in individual stocks. But I wanted to give you our example of how the individual stocks really did help us. So 
at a certain point, John and I were just at a kind of a crossroads as to what we were going to do with our investment money. And I decided that we would take 25% of our retirement portfolio. At that time, it was roughly about $125,000. I took that 25% and decided that we would invest that in some individual stocks. That meant 75% was invested in very diversified. But I picked a small number of stocks. Today, that $125,000, four and a half years later, is worth over $400,000. So that 25% grew rapidly during that time period. It now makes up about 40% of our portfolio. But what I did during that time period is I also did sell some of that off as it was growing and moved it into less risky investments. Exactly. So as we said earlier in the episode, investing in stocks, being able to say, oh, you made thousands or tens of thousands or even millions of dollars in one individual stock, that's really sexy conversation, right? And that's the stuff that you see on Twitter and, and TikTok. And But individual stock investing can be very risky, as we said in the outset. It's okay to have a portion of your portfolio available for, for as some people like to say, dabbling in the stock market or, or, or playing with or investing a little bit, uh, dabbling a little bit. And that's totally fine. But there's a lot of risk with doing that. And as easy as it is to get that hot stock pick to, to work out for you, it can always go against you as well. So well, that's why we want to suggest, and we'll elaborate on this in future episodes, investing primarily in mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. And those are comprised predominantly of stocks, which is why we use this as our foundation of the discussion today. Right. So that's our brief explanation or summary about stocks so that you can get started investing in stocks. But that's only the beginning of our investing series. We're going to share more about that investing series after your career money takeaway. So stick around. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. So here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. Please, 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 please don't be afraid to invest in the stock market. It's not as scary as hard or as hard as it seems. Download any free stock research app that you can find on your phone. There's basic ones that come with your Apple or Android phone, and those are great places to start. Start watching a couple of stocks, especially companies that you may already be interested in. Watch things like their performance, read news about the company, and look at other metrics. You'll be surprised at how quickly you're going to start picking up information about investing. And listen, next week when we share five steps to create a long-term financial plan. And finally, look out for Queer Money episode number two. 294, yes, the last episode of 2021, when we talk about investing in mutual funds and ETFs as we continue our investing series. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please post your money questions in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thank you, and we'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.